Uh, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That is an urgent question for us today in the midst of this pandemic. Do you believe the promises of Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that everyone who believes in him, though he or she dies physically, yet they will live? Martha and Mary believed that Jesus had the power to heal the sick, but it seems they did not understand his power to raise the dead. Martha says in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary says the same thing in verse 31. You see, they believed in Jesus's power to prevent death, but they didn't know about Jesus's power to defeat it. Now, it's true that Martha makes a great confession of faith here in this passage, and we should not overlook this. She makes one of the great confessions in the entire gospel in verse 27. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you're the Messiah, the son of God who is coming into the world. Many Jews believe that on the last day, on Judgment Day, God would raise the righteous to eternal life. And Jesus has just told Martha that the resurrection is going to come through him, through his power. So Martha believes him and she utters this great confession of faith. But she didn't expect Jesus and Mary did not expect Jesus to raise their brother Lazarus from the dead then and there. They were not fully aware. They could not fully comprehend Jesus's power over death. And friends, there's a lesson here about faith, about faith in Jesus for us, too. To have faith in Jesus does not mean that we can fully comprehend him or his power. And especially when it comes to this matter of life over death, of Jesus's power of life over death. How can we comprehend it? How can we comprehend life beyond this life when this is the only life we've known? How can we fully understand how God will resurrect our bodies and the bodies of saints who have been dead for thousands and thousands of years? Some theologians provide analogies that can that can help us. One of the most helpful ones I've come across comes from an Anglican theologian and a scientist, and I've, I've shared this one with you before. But he said that, uh, you know, we know that the basic building blocks of our life are, are coded information. Uh, the RNA and DNA, is, uh, these are bits of coded information. And he said we can imagine that God holds all this information in his memory, like a supercomputer can store vast amounts of data. And God can recall the data about our, our bodies, and he can reconstitute our bodies perfectly on the last day. So through the ages, uh, theologians have used analogies to help us maybe grasp the plausibility of bodily resurrection. Maybe that analogy helps you, but still it's it's something that transcends our Understanding It is something outside the realm of the natural. It's still mind-boggling. 
And yet, we don't have to have a full understanding. We don't have to have all the answers to trust in Jesus. And that's what we see with Martha in this story. In the midst of her grief and her incomplete knowledge, she cannot imagine what Jesus is about to do. She doesn't know that Jesus is going to call her dead brother from the tomb. But because she knows Jesus, she trusts him. You see, the more we know Jesus, the more we will trust his promises, even when we don't have all the answers. And there's never been a better time. There's never been a more important time to get to know Jesus than now. How do we get to know Jesus? Well, we get to know him by meditating on his words, thinking about the significance of his deeds, his great miracles, like what we're reading about today. We get to know Jesus through his words and deeds recorded in Holy Scripture. We get to know Jesus through prayer. And as we pray, the Holy Spirit, the the very Spirit of Christ, is present with us and begins to speak to us. We get to know Jesus as we learn from those who follow Jesus closely. We can learn from saints in the past and We can learn from one another in the body of Christ. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we will trust Jesus and his promises, even in the midst of uncertainty and grief and when we don't have all the answers. As this story unfolds, we we read something remarkable. We read about the tears of Jesus. In verse 35, which is a, fa- a favorite uh, memory verse. People talk about having a difficult time memorizing scripture, and, and I can relate to that. But here's one that we can all memorize in verse 35. It's just two words. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus is feeling a swirl of emotions in this story at this point. Verse 33 tells us that he was deeply moved and greatly troubled. And commentators will point out that the Greek here uh, can indicate that Jesus was feeling uh, anger and outrage and indignation. So this swirl of emotion that Jesus is experiencing here. Why, Why was he angry? Why was he outraged? Well, people speculate. Maybe it's because of the unbelief of the crowd that we see as the story unfolds. Maybe he's angry and outraged at the pain caused by sin and death. So there's different answers to understanding um, the emotions of Jesus here. But it's very clear in this passage that Jesus is feeling grief. Jesus wept. These emotions begin to well up in him as he sees, the text says, as he sees as he sees the grief of Mary, verse 33, when he saw her weeping and the Jews who were with him, then he, he begins to experience these emotions. Jesus wept, and these are tears of grief. Jesus is grieving, and he is sharing in the grief of his friends. And this is instructive for us today. As I said last week, 
a pressing question for all of us is, where is God in this? Where is God in the midst of this pandemic? And the biblical answer to this question, as I said last Sunday, is that God is with us. And we can extend that answer here based on this text as we read of the tears of Jesus. God is with us, and God is with us sharing the grief and the pain. Jesus is God in the flesh. And here we see that Jesus weeps. This is a mystery because God is the sovereign king. God is in control. Nothing that is happening now takes God by surprise. Jesus knows that he is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And this is going to give glory to God. And people, many people are going to come to faith because of this great sign. Jesus is in control. Jesus knows what's going to happen. And yet, Jesus weeps. The God revealed in Jesus is not removed from our pain. He shares in our pain. Jesus' sharing in our pain took him all the way to the cross. This is the God we serve. And Jesus' tears tell us something about how we should respond as his followers to what is happening today. We weep with those who weep. And maybe you've been following some of the stories of those whose lives have been affected by this terrible virus here in our own city. I've been reading some of those stories. One of the first ones to die in our area was a nurse who was only in her early 60s and she was on the front lines serving and sacrificing for others and she succumbed to this disease. And then I read about a 30 year old uh, Red Cross worker who died because of this disease. No underlying health conditions as far as they know. And her family, of course, was devastated. And friends, we might see more of these stories and the pain and the grief might start to affect us more personally. And maybe even in this church, I'm praying for God's provision and I'm praying for God's protection. But the grief might come to us. It might get very personal. And we can't be more pious than Jesus. We can't pretend that disease and death are not terrible realities. Jesus wept. Let us weep. But on the other hand, thanks be to God, this is not the end of the story. There is hope here. There is victory here. There is great power on display here in the miracle of Jesus. Jesus goes to the tomb of his friend Lazarus. He orders them to remove the stone. He says they will see the glory of God. He offers prayers to the Father that those who witness this miracle, this great sign, will believe that God has sent him. And then he cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And John says, the man who died came out. 
Lazarus came out of the tomb in his grave clothes. What an incredible miracle. It was yet another sign that Jesus really was from God. It was a sign pointing to Jesus's identity as the son of God who has power over death. And it foreshadowed an even greater miracle, the greatest miracle of all, the resurrection of Jesus, when the stone of his tomb will be rolled away and he will come out triumphant over death. Lazarus was not exactly uh, resurrected. I hear sometimes people talking about Lazarus as resurrected. But that's not exactly accurate. He was he was resuscitated miraculously, but he was brought back to life as we know it. He he had to go through death once again. But Jesus was resurrected. His body was raised to new and unending life. And that is what Jesus promises to those who believe in him. Resurrection to eternal life. And so, yes, we are in the midst of uncertainty, incomplete knowledge, uh, even grief, like Martha and Mary were. We don't know exactly what God is up to. But we do know that the God we serve shares in our pain and in our grief and uh Yes, like Lazarus, we will have to face the tomb. But Jesus promises that he is the resurrection and the life. That those that believe in him, though they die, they will still live. They will yet live. And my question for you and for me is, do you believe this? In John 6, verse 40, Jesus says, This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks... There's never been a greater time to believe this promise. There's never been a greater time to give thanks to God for the hope of this promise that he has given us through the crucified and risen Christ. Amen.